Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are your hosts, Mike Brzezuda, Matt Williamson, and Merrill Hodge. Good evening and welcome to a special Thanksgiving week edition of Steelers Preview. We're coming at you on a Wednesday night tonight, not our traditional Thursday time slot because tomorrow is the big day. We're uh, coming to you tonight until 8 o'clock on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. I'm Mike Persuda, joined as always by Matt Williamson and uh, the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge, will be along directly. We are getting you ready for Monday Night Football, the Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts. Matt, I guess the uh, first hot take heading into this one is, well, this is a game that couldn't be flexed. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the, a big part of it. I mean, it looked like this could be a competitive, maybe playoff-worthy matchup at this phase of the, of the season when the schedule was put out. But times have changed dramatically. What I find interesting, though, is like when we when we saw that Jeff Saturday was named the head coach, everyone chuckled and oh man, that the Steelers will roll right over these guys. Well. The Colts were 3-5-1 and one when that change was made, including a win over the Chiefs. They're not a bad football team. Nah, I disagree. They had a decent record. I think they are a bad football team. I think the and, offense is bad. And I think it starts with the guy under center. Um, I just want to read to you. I did this on the morning show today, but I want to make sure you were aware uh, of my note-taking as I watched the Colts-Eagles game from last Sunday. And here's what I have uh, entered under Matt Ryan. Creaky. (laughs) Good word. I like it. Can still hit a tight window if given time. Ball comes out quick. Cooked if the blitz gets home. No deep shots. Awkward mobility at best. And then last but not least, stick a fork in him. He's done. I think that you might have a future scouting. I think that's a perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you. Coming from you, that yeah. means a lot, man. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that should have been your career path because I don't think I could have written a scouting report better. As soon as I heard the word creaky, perfect. The only thing I would add is he still has a NFL starting quarterback mind. You know, I mean, he understands where the blitzes are coming from. Ellinger didn't. You know, I mean, he gets the ball out quick. It's a little reminiscent of what we saw here last year, but with less natural ability. You know, it's not pretty. What to Expect is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And I'll stick with Matt Ryan here, Matt Williamson, because 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he might know what to do when the blitz is coming, but his options are severely limited. And uh, I'll give you the end of the aforementioned Colts-Eagles game on Sunday as uh, example A, and I don't think we need an example B. Uh, the Colts were leading all game, and uh, they had a 13-3 lead, and in the fourth quarter it became a 17-16 to deficit. And uh, they got the ball back. All they had to do was move into field goal range, and they still had a fair amount of time to do so. But third and nine, Philadelphia runs a blitz and Ryan gets sacked because that's what happens when the blitz gets home. And then mm-hmm. there's a, a false start penalty. And then on fourth and 21 from the Indy 28 with 39 seconds remaining. Now, you got to hit a play here, right? You got you to continue the possession. You got to get at least 21 yards and then get up and clock it and then uh, try to maybe hit one more short pass and then a long field goal. Philly rushes four, one guy breaks free, and Matt Ryan has no choice but to check it down to the running back because he knows he's about to get tackled because he can't evade a rusher. And Mm -hmm. he he checks it down, and the play had no chance, and the Colts lose the game. Yeah, I mean, when you have to have a play or your quarterback has to have a second reaction type of situation, this offense has very little chance to succeed. They have to stay ahead of the sticks. They have to win at the line of scrimmage, which has been a big problem all year. Turnovers have killed them as well. Um, Everything needs to be perfect around Ryan at this point. I I absolutely will not fight you on that. Uh, I mean, the recipe is very clear for these guys. I mean, play really good defense, which they've done reasonably well. Run the football with a great back and make some short throws and hope you're in it at the end. Yeah, part of the problem, you mentioned uh, not winning up front. And this is traditionally a team that we always perceive the Colts to be one of the better offensive lines in the league. Not the case this year, right? And part of the problem, no continuity. They have started six different combinations of five up front in 11 games. And what they threw at uh, the Eagles last Sunday included Bernhard Raymond, uh, the uh, third-round pick out of Central Michigan at left tackle, and Will Freeze, second-round, former seventh-rounder out of Penn State at right guard. Matt, those two guys alone combined for two holding penalties and five penalties overall. Freeze also false-started twice, and uh, Raymond was called for ineligible downfield, which I guess uh, in the NFL this year there's going to be at least one of those in every game. Yeah, and making matters worse, well, first of all, this is by far – the highest paid offensive line in the league. Like they have a lot invested here. That's mostly and because Nelson, of Quentin Nelson and uh, Ryan Kelly, yeah, right? The left guard and, and the center. And the right tackle, Braden Smith, too, who's a serviceable above average starter, but he's getting big money as all tackles do. But those three that are making a fortune haven't played to their normal level. And then the right guard left tackle situation all year, as you mentioned, has been an utter disaster. You know, you just kind of cited what they did last week. And to be honest, compared to early in the year, that's an improvement at left tackle and right guard. Wow. I mean, it's, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they do have Jonathan Taylor, and he looks like Jonathan Taylor, but only two 100-yard games this year. He's averaging 4.6 a carry, and when he gets the ball, he's one of those hold-your-breath guys. You know, he can, he can stop and start and turn. He's got great vision and burst and acceleration, and he's hard to tackle and really good running back, but uh, – Again, only two 100-yard games for that 4.6 average. 
And, and the Eagles game, uh, I keep harping on that because, uh, as you know by now, that's how I do my study. I don't have time to watch every game sure. the opponents have played, so I watch the most recent one and, and try to project from that. But uh, he ends up, Matt, with 22 carries and 84 rushing yards. 49 of those came on the game opening possession. He carried seven times yeah. on the opening drive, and it was really working. Uh, the Colts uh, scored points on their first possession of the game for the first time all season. They had been the last NFL team that hadn't done that. And then Philadelphia turned to its new toys, Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue, and put those guys in the middle of the defensive line. No more Jonathan Taylor. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, you know, it, it, it wasn't true in the Eagles-Steelers game, but when we previewed that one, we mentioned Eagles' run defense is a little leaky. It's hard to find weaknesses with the Eagles. If there is one, it's a run defense. And since then, it's been problematic. They've had some injuries, and as you said, they go sign two veteran dudes off the street, and that's exactly what happened. You know, Taylor in the run game had a very good first series. Oh, this is promising. We can run on the Eagles. And then you put some big horses right in the middle, and that's the end of that, and then the Colts did nothing offensively the rest of the game. Those guys are massive, by the way, and they both look like yeah, they can still yeah. play for openers. Shrewd acquisitions by Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that they lasted this long on the street. I mean, couldn't somebody else use them, you know, two months ago? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, Indomitian Sue was kind of a topic of conversation this summer. At least he was mm -hmm. on my part because I thought this is a guy the Steelers could use. And uh, my checking around the league with people I talk to on such matters, uh, what I got back was, uh, he's going to wait. He doesn't necessarily want to go to a training camp. But yeah, yeah. he knows he's going to get signed, so he'll kind of wait and pick his spot. I mean, he found himself a nice contender, didn't he? Yeah, might as well go to one of the best teams in the league. I mean, they had a couple D-tackle injuries. I, I, another note from that game, I'm sure you noticed, but old friend of the uh, the podcast here, or the, the, the Steelers, Hargrave, just destroyed the interior of their offensive yeah. line. I mean, I mean, I'm sure Cam and Ogunjobi can do – Similar things, but Javon was a total wrecking machine inside, and I don't know why the Steelers can't do the same. Yeah, okay, that's where I was going to go next. You're reading my mind. Uh, we've been doing this show a long time, I guess. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the run defense has been much better, uh, a couple of exceptions much. here and there. But if you're Terrell Austin, you feel like you have the goods to say, okay, we're taking Jonathan Taylor away, and then we'll live with whatever else happens after that. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's when one of the – underreported things about the Steelers season is I think the run defense has been more than just better. I mean, I think it's been very good. And, and really the last three games, they've only allowed 3.4 yards per rush, the Steelers and cam's been even better against the run than ever. I think the linebackers are fitting better. You know, they're, they're going to the right gaps and doing the right things, particularly Bush and they're not allowing explosive runs, which is a problem with Taylor as well. That's also an issue with Taylor this year is he hasn't gotten free like he did last year. I mean, you're not seeing the 60, 70-yard runs. Now, the way the Steelers played it against the Bengals, I thought, was a little bit different. Uh, now, they got passed on, uh, particularly had a problem with T. Higgins in the second and third quarters. But a lot sure. of guys up at the line of scrimmage, Minka Fitzpatrick much closer to the box, a lot of single high. Uh, you look at this Indianapolis receiving core and, you know, Ryan needs to get rid of the ball because he doesn't have uh, the mobility you need anymore. Would you expect a similar kind of look, crowd the line of scrimmage and take away the run on the way to the passer just by sheer numbers? 100%. I mean, I think that's clearly the method to, uh, for attacking this. 
I, I'm not poking, you know, fun at last year's Steelers, but I think you play this team a lot like we've seen people play Roethlisberger at the end of his career, where you put a lot of people near the line of scrimmage because you know the ball's coming out quick, tackle the catch, um, play the run more than anything. I do like their receiving core. It's not great, but I like their receiving core. Pittman's a quality player. Um, he's their one. He's probably more like a 1A. Um, Pierce is a long, linear, downfield guy that has some explosive traits to him. I liked him coming out of school. And Paris Campbell's actually stayed healthy. He's kind of their gadget after the catch guy. So they have a, a three-man complement of receivers that are good, but if they can't protect and the ball's coming out quick, how much damage can you really do? Yeah, Pittman was the guy that got my attention, and particularly mm-hmm. in that context, because I think he works almost exclusively out of the slot, if not exclusively out of the slot. And, you know, you can get those quick crossers and quick slants and quick hitters. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a big physical kid. Uh, watching him play, uh, I, I keep thinking, boy, this is what Chase Claypool could have been if he would apply himself. Yeah, good comparison. I mean, Pittman's had a much better career than Claypool, as as you referred to. Um, yeah, I, I think there are some similarities there. He's good after the catch. He's very physical. I think he can do a lot more than just be a slot guy. I think he could be a true X on the outside in kind of the Pickens role. But to best use him when you can't protect, well, they want him close to the ball. Yeah, and, and he concerns me a little bit because the Bengals, while well, they – Higgins had success from a number of different spots. He lined up wide mm-hmm. right, wide left. He lined up in bunch. He lined up in stack. He lined up in the slot. But, uh, you know, based on what the Steelers have shown uh, in terms of slot coverage, uh, if I'm the Colts, I'm probably looking at that as an area I think I can exploit. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I wrote an article this week about all the production the Steelers have allowed to basically number one type receivers. I mean, Amari Cooper and Diggs, and they've really been tortured, whether it's outside or in. And the crux of the article was, hey, with this top 10 type pick, you might want to take a man corner, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, an outside guy, and then maybe Sutton goes to the slot full time. Um, But you're right. I mean, the slot receivers have been a problem as well. And I think the culprits more than anyone on the defense are – Millette and Spillane and those guys seem to have bullseyes on their chest and they're just not all that athletic yeah Millette seems like a little bit of a poor man's Mike Hilton I mean he's pretty right. pretty physical P- tough com- guy competes yeah. hard but he just can't cover and I, I don't think Hilton can really cover well either but he's so good at the rest of it uh he justifies his presence um 100 and, and your point about the cornerback uh thing uh, in the draft uh, boy, I keep going there myself because I, I think mm-hmm. Cam Sutton, I've really liked the, the the trajectory of his career, but I think the more I see him outside, the more I think he's a slot guy. Yeah, I'm curious what he'll want on the open market, but I'm a Cam Sutton fan because I can live with him on the outside, but I'd love him in the slot, especially if you know you have a first-round pick on one outside corner spot and Jackson or Wallace or something, you know, probably not Witherspoon. I think they move on from him. But all of a sudden, the ripple effect of a first-round corner really looks good to me, you know. The Greater uh, Pittsburgh Community Food Bank reminds you to sack hunger, get food, volunteer, or donate at Pittsburgh Food Bank 
Steelers.org. We've got a lot more to get to tonight, our special Wednesday night edition of Steelers Preview. We're giving you plenty of time to get ready for the Steelers and the Colts on Monday night. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. We're going to be here until 8 o'clock on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Steelers Preview on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome back to the Thanksgiving Eve edition of the preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight. A couple of roster moves to update you on uh, from today. Running back Master Teague and wide receiver Jamarcus Bradley signed to the practice squad, and the Steelers released defensive lineman Rennell Wren. Happy Thanksgiving, Rennell Wren. You are released from the practice squad. Tough business sometimes. (laughs) Teague was in training camp with the Steelers this summer. Bradley uh, spent parts of the last two seasons with the Browns, played in eight games with one start. He's caught nine passes for 124 yards and has returned two NFL kickoffs for 49 yards. Uh, Master Teague, significant, at least in my eyes, because if you watch uh, as much Big Ten football as I do, you no doubt remember that Master Teague wore number 33 at The Ohio State University, and it is time now to welcome our number 33 to the active roster, Merrill Hodge joining us. Merrill, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys, too. It's always good to be I'm, – I'm, let's put this way. I'm very grateful to be a part of the team. Uh, we are grateful to have you as a part of the team. Uh, I, I wanted to start with uh, something that I consider to be uh, among your areas of expertise, and that is how NFL people perceive things as opposed to how everybody else perceives them. Uh, one of the uh, newsworthy items this week was the, uh, I don't want to say declaration by Jermaine Pratt of the Bengals, but observation. Uh, he told CBSSports.com on Monday that one of the reasons the Steelers had uh, such little success in the second half against the Bengals, relatively speaking, was that the Bengals knew what was coming because the Steelers, according to Pratt, like to run the same thing over and over and over. Now, uh, there's a lot of howling and uh, gnashing of teeth in the media. My take on it was, yeah, you'd rather that that, that didn't happen. I've been in locker rooms where uh, players have been a little befuddled and said, boy, we didn't practice against that. They kind of caught us on that. But uh, I don't think it was necessarily uh, the deciding factor in what took place at Acershire Stadium. How do you interpret that, Merrill, when you hear uh, a comment such as the one Pratt made? 
Well, well, as soon as I heard it, I knew what was going to happen. And actually, 80% of every offense does the same thing. You know, everybody knows, <laughs> like, 80%, here's what we're going to be dealing with. You know, I mentioned on the, the DVE show, you know, this morning that, like, it, it, when Bill Cowher's first year when we came in, Ron Earhart established we were going to be a power-running team. Our staple run was power, our 38 boss or 39 boss. And we did more 38 than we did 39. We were a right-handed team, okay? On average, we run that thing 20 times a game, a game. You know, I mean, most people run the same thing. Now, within the division, you got to be, that's when you got to be most creative. You got to create wrinkles. You got to add, you got to self-scout yourself really well. And you got to make sure you take advantage of things that you know that they have tendencies on. You give them a tendency look, and then you do something different off of that. You know, that's probably why that flea flicker, you know, was was a part of what they established. <laughs> uh, just unfortunately, they didn't, they didn't execute it very well. No, they so did those not. Are the things, yeah, those <laughs> are the things that, you know, every team does that. You know, there's there's and then that's why teams are good. It's like they're so good you can't stop it. You know, they're so good at ex their execution of their of their staples that you struggle with it. I remember Ron Earhart, um, when he first came in, he goes, here's what we're going to do. He goes, we, we call it a staple four. I believe it was three runs and a pass. He said, we're going to have to use this during the season to get us back on track, okay? These four plays, we can run against anybody, anytime, anywhere. And I bet you during the season that first year, I bet you we went to it about four or five times to reset ourselves. And they're just staple plays. I mean, and they're very generic plays, but they're very, they're very uh, simple plays that get you back on track. So um, I don't want people to have this misconception that everybody creates these different plays every time you go out and play a game on Sunday. That does not happen. You know, 80% um, of what you do consistently is what you're going to see. And then in anywhere it's 20, 10 to 20% that are wrinkles, add-ons, you know, adjustments to what your tendencies are. And then how well can you do those and execute them? And how can you, well can you take advantage of them? Um, so uh, the way it was taken, you know, it was, it, let's say the first half, I, I, well, let's, let's, let's put it this way. The Bengals got smoked on that. Um, I don't know what the run play to the left would be called, but it looked like a, a similar to 39 boss, okay? Where Najee jumps over the defender and scores a touchdown. That was what, like a 15, 16 yard run? 19, 19, I think, yeah. Okay, 19. Well, they, they came back to that two or three different times during the course of the game. They didn't have that 19 yard run. You know, Cincinnati played it poorly the first time, they played it better the second time. You know, I mean, so, I mean, you could use that play right there. They ran it three different times, you know, in that game that I remember just those three times in that game. One of them, they popped them on a big one, you know, so that's just, that's that's so over where you have to look deeper is the 20 percent you know the tendency breakers that you're doing those those are usually some can be the difference makers you know in a game where you get that explosive play but at the end of the day it's the, it's the staples that you believe in that you're really good at that they can't stop that's what makes you a real good football team so Merrill, their defensive coordinator, Lou Amarillo, remember, I always pronounce his name wrong. I'm just not going to say it, is known <laughs> as a, a, great, a, a great adjustment guy. And clearly things were different in the second half. Did you, did you notice something that was obvious that the Bengals changed up at halftime? Yeah, you know, I can't say that I did. You know, I, I watched for stuff like mm -hmm. that, fronts, coverages, different um, pressures. And can I be honest with you, Matt? If you – I did – I got caught up in the penalties and all the mistakes yeah. that had nothing. I didn't to see do anything with either. Adjustment. 
that, that had nothing to do with an adjustment. Shoots you down in field goal range. Next thing you know, it's third and 25, and you're on your 49-yard line. You know, and you're complete, now you're completely out of it. You know, like, listen, they got the ball inside the 50. Um, and one of these, I think, three times, one of them was off of the explosive play from Pickens, okay, with a new fresh set of downs, okay, off an explosive play. They got no points. They, they got no points after T.J. Watt makes that incredible interception. They get three points off that interception. So T.J. T.J. Watt got him three points. Offense did nothing. They have two passes that were absolutely, um, you know, Pickett just didn't. I mean, he made some bad throws. Um, they had one good yeah. run, and that was it. You get three points. You then flip it down in the fourth quarter. You're down there um, over the 50-yard line um, three different times, and you get nothing. You, you just can't. And then most of them, the things that stand out the most were the self-inflicted wounds. You know, holding is the one of the most. I think that is a killer, killer, killer in the running game. I mean, in the, when you're on a drive, it's hard to overcome 10 yards. You know, first and 20, there's a lot. Was that was that and, holding you know, on Fryermuth there, did you think? Because he reacted like he was surprised they called him. Boy, you know what, Mike? I, I, I just can't locate it visually on what okay. I'm um, yeah, it was, a, it was a run around the left and, and uh three-yard run by Harris. Probably the same play that you talked about uh, on the 19-yarder. And uh, Yeah, right. I looked at it I a couple of times, and I I thought, eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't, but he, he emerged mm-hmm. with that, you know, universal palms-up gesture. What do you mean? I wasn't holding – I mean, which they always do. But well, I, I don't know. I thought that was – every, every, thought... every, Yeah, any, any good offensive guy will do that. Like, what? Yeah. What? How can I be holding? <laughs> I thought it was borderline. Yeah, if they see a jersey, I'll tell you this. Here's what they ultimately look for. They look for any cloth or extension of a hand or an arm. You know, so like a guy's trying to pull away, and he and he he's getting resistance, and there's an arm around the guy, or if cloth's being held and the guy's trying to move. That's so. I don't know if that happened in that play. I just don't remember it clear enough. But if that happened, then they're going to call it every time. You know, your point about execution is really well taken. And let's go back to after that T.J. Watt interception. They have a third and four from the 15-yard line. And they line up Deontay Johnson behind Steven Sims, and then he runs a a short cross or square in, whatever you want to call it, cutting underneath Sims. The Bengals end up with a linebacker on Deontay Johnson, Logan Wilson, who's a pretty good linebacker. But if I'm the Steelers, I'll take Deontay Johnson on a backer every time. The pocket was constricting, but it was still clean. None of the Bengals had their hands up, the pass rushers. Pickett had any lane he wanted to throw it, and he threw it at the guy's feet. I mean, that's yeah. that's not they knew what was coming. That's You didn't execute. Yeah, you know, screwed it up. You're exactly right. You know, that, that's probably some of his poorest throws were in that game. You know, and, um, you know, I try to watch for fundamentals, you know, that cause that. You know, usually often it's right around your feet. Your feet tell you a lot about. How a guy's going to play, I don't care if it's quarterback. It's not just quarterback. Shoot, running back, running routes, defending, blocking. It, it all starts feet, hits, hands, period. Um, just do it in the dirt, I know. And um, see, sometimes I think that he, you know, um, he can rush things. Now, just, that is so natural for a young guy to do. Because I, I tell you, if I played as a rookie in that position in the sense of this. I had to understand coverages. I had to understand um, blitzes. I had to understand protections. And I had to be able to adjust accordingly. And when that ball snapped, I'm telling you, sometimes it was like, where'd they all go? <laughs> my rookie year. I, I'm on <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell you, okay, this is a true story. The Jet, we play in the Jets. 
And at the third down, we're almost in the exact same scenario down in distance where uh, the Steelers were and Pickett was. Okay, I'm just trying to give you what this is this is a possibility, okay, a strong possibility. They snap the ball. Um, all of a sudden, that ooh and that you hear with the uh, – that you don't want to hear, you know, like somebody's just been clobbered, you know, like the, the fans go, oh. Well, I look over and Bobby Brister's picking his pads up and putting himself back together. And Chuck Knoll's over there with his finger, his index finger, pointing and wiggling it back and forth at me to come here, to get over here. <laughs> that, so must that must have felt really good. good. Yeah. yeah, great feeling. Okay. Yeah. Now, listen, keep, keep in mind, keep in mind, <laughs> this is the era. This is the time. Remember, this is the time. This is the era where the game had passed Chuck by. Remember those signs up? Don't Chuck doesn't know how to coach anymore, okay? So he pulls me over and he said, uh, you let, you're, the guy ran right by you and killed our quarterback. They got to block the guy that comes off the slot. And I'm like, okay, nobody ran by me, number one. And anyway, I go back to the bench. I'm like, okay, well, there might be some validity that the game is passing this guy by because <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Didn't see him. Yeah. So we get in film. We get in film on Monday. Not only does he run by me, I mean, I almost give him a high five as he does it. I mean, I don't, and I never saw the guy. I'm like, that guy ran by. I'm like, when I'm telling, I'm sitting in that meeting room going, how did I not see that? But I'm just telling. Okay, so from when you, that's how fast the game is. It, it just the different from from college to there. Sometimes you just don't see things, and then down there you rush things, um, and, and you can do that at every position. I mean, he's not excluding that, even though his skill set is still a terrific skill set, and it has high upside. You see that on occasion, and I could truly understand it when I see it. I was like, uh, you know, you're like, how does that happen? I'm gonna tell you how it happened. That crossing route's coming so fast. He's rushing so fast that he goes right in the dirt. He goes right in the dirt. You know, you Merrill, where it, are you right now? You didn't okay. happen, but didn't. But unfortunately, that's why. Why I think that went in the dirt, and you've seen some bad throws. Merrill, Mike, and I were talking in the first segment a little bit about the Steelers' corners and. I'm starting to really warm up to the idea of the first round pick being a athletic press man corner type. Where are you right now with the Steelers corners overall? Well, you know, as a whole, you know, even shoot in all aspects of that secondary, you have to get better at, um, at, at coverage, especially man coverage. That's how you have to play in this league. You got to be really good at man coverage. Um, you know, mm-hmm. shoot the play that probably, okay. Right after, T.J. Watt gets the interception. You only get three points. Okay, that's a win for the Bengals. As devastating, as great as that interception was, and you get three points, all that, that's, that's devastation for the Steelers. That, that is, the Bengals walked off there with the lead still. Okay, so that's all they're thinking. It's like, okay, we did, the, the, we avoided massive damage. Then we put them on, what were they, the, the two-yard line? Well, two seven, yard. I think, but the points taken, they're backed up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so they're on a 90-plus. I want to say this is a third down, and they run trips. They get Edmonds um, matched up. Now, it, it's just fundamentally how you have to play this. I can just tell you this, like, from, let's look from an offense perspective. We always want to win inside. So if you've got the receiver to the far left, he's in the slot, and um, you want to force that guy outside or over the top of you because then I could play underneath. I make it a harder throw. I clearly don't make it an easy throw. Well, at the snap of the ball, it just opens his hips and gives him a crossing route. And there's nobody on the other side. Well, now this is just a matter of your quarterback making the throw with no pressure on him, too, by the way, because um, he get rid of the ball quick because everything's so clearly defined. So 
as a whole. So fundamentally, you just broke down there, you know, from a, from a safety position. That's what you want to do. You want to get your safety on, which was their best wide receiver at the time. And you're now on the 50-yard line. You know, just like that, you flip the field. And that's the first goal when you're backed up is like, let's flip the field, okay? It's not about points. It's about let's get out of here. and let's. Then when you flip the field, you talk about uh, mojo changing. That's what I'm talking about, the, the Pickens one. You, you get that big play, and you get nothing on the back end of it. You know, those those hurt you because that big plays don't come all the time. When the next pass play, they hit another one, and they're down around the 30-yard line, and what, four or five plays later, they score a touchdown. I mean, that was – that drive right there and that play that got them to flip the field completely shifted that game. Merrill, uh, so getting better in the back end, yes, I agree with you guys. I mean, you got to have guys that can really match up, especially the division. You look at what, they, what the Bengals have. They just have so many guys that can win individually. You've got to have people that can match up to that. Merrill, last thing I got for you, uh, Mike Tomlin mentioned Kenny Pickett is progressing. Tomlin has been reluctant to provide specifics uh, I think he's progressing too. I think he's making a lot of mistakes, as I expect rookies to do. But what are you seeing that uh, makes you think, yeah, this guy's on track? Okay, I'll give you the other explosive play, the first one where they had a you know post cross, and they got him in a cover three and it designed right. But to do that, you got to have protection, okay? And, and initially, they have good protection till the very end. They, they the guy stunts around, and this is where I I see the massive upside with Pickett. Okay, he has to stand there a half a second longer to make that throw and let that route develop. Okay, it just requires that. Okay, they, they try to max protect too. They chipped and everything. Okay, well, he stares right down the – and the guy's coming free too. He Sam Hubbard, yeah. He doesn't look at it. He doesn't look at it. He doesn't – nothing. He doesn't flinch. And he makes the throw for that the play. Those are the type of plays you have to be good. And a lot of – that you have to be good. If you're going to be good in the NFL, you have to be able to play like that and play in that environment. And I'm telling you, there's so many quarterbacks that are starters in the National Football League right now cannot do that. And quite honestly, in some cases, have never. Zach Wilson, the New York Jets, prime example. A guy has never played in a dirty pocket in college nor in his NFL career, and it's getting worse and worse for them in New York. He's already showed he can do it in college. He's demonstrating it in the NFL, and that is a huge upside. That is a huge answer to can this guy transition to this league and be great. Well, that Zach Wilson stuff's because he was playing behind 28-year-old offensive linemen. Yeah. <laughs> had something to do with it. Well, but yeah, but you go look at his six games where those 28-year-old offensive linemen had just the equal opponent and everything matched up. That's what I'm saying. In, in all the six games, Zach Wilson lost. Zach Wilson threw an interception, did something stupid, tried to throw mm-hmm. it from his hip and be, you know, be Mr. Acrobatic and loses the game for him. And that's exactly what he's doing in the National Football League, but to a higher level because it's more magnified here. That's why I go back to that play when I see Pickett do it. I saw him do it in college. He has great pocket presence. You have to be able to play well in a dirty pocket. You have to be able to stand there even after you've taken shots and make big throws. And that was a big throw. And I've seen him do that consistently. So there is a lot of maturation that you're seeing. And you're seeing those rookie mistakes. I told you about how he, that we just talked about how, how quickly he's seeing things or how blurred they are right now. I mean, that will slow down next year. Unfortunately, it doesn't slow down until next year, but it's going to slow down for him. Merrill, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, happy Thanksgiving uh, to you and yours. And We'll look forward to getting back to our regular time slot next Thursday in advance of Steelers-Falcons. Absolutely, guys. Thank you 
Bless. I hope you guys all have a blessed day. It's been a great part. Be a part of your team, boys. Happy Thanksgiving. Merrill Take care, Hodge. Merrill. Thanks. Merrill Hodge here on the preview. Matt, he made uh, some great points there about Pickett, didn't he? And uh, the, the hard part is the patience, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I was very critical of Pickett for all the, the opposite reasons against the Saints. I thought he was quick to duck his head, not sticking in there, too quick to run. He made great strides in just one week in that one area, but he missed more throws because his game is very fast for him right now. Gear up with the latest sideline apparel hats or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. Those are located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger, Out- Tanger Outlets. You can also visit us online at shop.steelers.com. Uh, one more segment to go tonight, so uh, if you're here, keep it here as we get you ready for Monday night, the Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You are listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Persuda and Matt Williamson with you for just a little while longer here on Steelers Preview, a special Thanksgiving Eve edition of Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. And Matt, one of the talking points heading into the Cincinnati game last Sunday was this could potentially be conversation-changing, if not game-changing. If the Steelers could have found a way to win, uh, four and six would be looking a whole lot better than three and seven, Sure, at least in my estimation, much more than a one-game difference. You could at least contemplate maybe crawling back into the playoff mix the playoff uh, conversation, but I think that uh, boat has sailed. So given that there are still seven games to play, if you were running the show on the south side, would you be inclined to take a look at a James Pierre, to take a look at Kendrick Green and see if that is a complete miss or if if there's something, uh, some more meat left on that bone? Uh, Would you start playing an Isaiah Loudermilk more and a Tyson Alualu less? Tyson Alu less for sure. I think he's had a very bad season, and I understand that he's well liked here and he's had a great career. Highly respected, but I, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for those things, one of the, he's I'm one sure of the guys on the team, you know, one right? Of, one of the dudes, and I respect that. But if it wasn't for that fact, I don't know that he'd even be on the roster this long. To be honest with you, I think he's shot. Um, unfortunately, I mean, Adams to me is a better player and Alou is no longer in the mix for me, uh, except for the leadership aspect. Um, none of those names are all that inspiring. I mean, they're playing all their young guys, to be honest with you. As for Kendrick Green, I think that's an interesting take, but I would not mess with the continuity of a young offensive line. I mean, I think every snap that they get together is beneficial. We've had a lot of talk the last couple of weeks about how, oh, the double teams are starting to come together. So I wouldn't mess with any of that continuity at all. I want those guys to play every snap they possibly can. So at this point, I guess uh, I, I see where you're coming from. I guess my counterpoint would be I'm not really impressed with Kevin Dotson, and I'm just curious mm-hmm. about Kendrick Green, or do, or do they already know? And was that just a failed experiment at center and move on? It seems like they already know. I mean, he's inactive most games. Every game. and Every game, yeah. And 
hasn't really done anything impressive in a Steeler uniform, to be honest, which shocks me. I really liked the pick at the time. Um, I, I think you bring him to camp and hope he's a different guy, but by no means is he in the plans, uh, unfortunately. I kind of like the Loudermilk call, though. I mean, would it be a terrible thing to take five to ten snaps off of Cam's plate, considering the state of the team, and give him the Loudermilk just to see what he can do? Or just give that him the I mean, I, I think the breakdown last yeah. game was 14-5 and five or something like that. I mean, Loudermilk hardly got used, and I, I think he got mm-hmm. some future there, too. Yeah, and I also think Pierre's a keeper. You know, we, we've had some cornerback talk. I'd love him to be the fourth corner next year. And for that, I mean, he's a restricted free agent, so you can bring him back super cheap. But I think he'll be in the mix next year. But um, I don't think he's the answer, but I think he's a good number four slash special teamer. Yeah, I I brought him up uh, just under the guise of my perception, at least, is when they traded for William Jackson III, that was going to be a cornerback tryout the rest of the way. And it might be if he ever gets on the field. But to me, that right. that was them uh, shooting up a flare, saying, "Boy, we need help at this position," you know. <laughs> oh, oh, I think that's a hundred percent what it was. So, and so, I'm hoping to see Jackson. Yeah. So, so, but you know, why not run Pierre out there? What's the worst thing that could happen? You could lose seven out of ten games. I mean, right, right. Get, I, I mean, do you think that the, Do you think Spoon has already written his fate? I mean, is he not in the plans going forward? I don't know. Auditioning? I was so yeah. impressed with him last year, but he's given up an avalanche of touchdowns this year. It's been brutal. I Anytime mean, he plays a, a good receiver, they torch him. Steelers preview on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet. Proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Matt, that's going to do it for us tonight. Happy Thanksgiving. You as well. And uh, also, also uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there listening. Uh, however you found us and wherever you found us, we do appreciate it. We'll be back in the regular Thursday night time slot next week as we get you ready for the Steelers and the Atlanta Falcons. Until then, for Merrill Hodge and Matt Williamson, for IU Jake, who uh, kept us on the air again tonight, I'm Mike Persuda. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.